Good morning. My name is Akeem, and welcome to my recovery podcast. This is a podcast about recovery and the struggles for everyday people. Now, today I have a special guest, Jake B., a member of the Colonial House staff, who was there when I was there for rehab, and he is an inspiration to me in early recovery. So without further ado, here's Jake. Hey, Jake. Um, I have already introduced you, but uh, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, and we're going to have a conversation. Well, first of all, Akeem, I wanted to uh, thank you for inviting me on. When I heard that you had a podcast, um, I was super excited to hear about it. Um, you've always been somebody who I enjoyed spending time around, and I enjoyed hearing your thoughts and reading your your journal entries and stuff like that. So I was excited to hear that you had a podcast and. I was honored that you um, had asked me to come on as a guest. Have you had any guests on yet prior no, to me? You are the first. You know, hopefully not That's the last, awesome. but you are the first. The inaugural guest. Awesome. So, um, yeah, I'll give a little introduction. My name is Jake. Um, I am a person in recovery. I um, I know you, Akeem, through uh, a facility that I worked at, um, still work at. I'm actually sitting in my office there right now. Um, where we had come into contact with each other, spent some time together, learned a, a little bit about each other. And um, that's where I'm still at today. Yeah. Uh, I've been clean and sober from all substances, mind or mood altering uh, since July 27th of 2017. Congratulations. For me, uh, thank you. So that's about four years and some change for me. That is a huge accomplishment. Um, I was somebody who couldn't seem to get five minutes clean from a substance. I couldn't go any amount of time without having some sort of uh, substance in my body that I that I would use to, you know, cope with just being alive. You know, mm-hmm. um, one of the, when they used to talk about triggers when I would go to treatment and. and my trigger, I would always say, uh, just being alive, uh, <laughs> waking up in the morning, living on earth as a human being. Um, and I was just really, uh, maladjusted to life, you know, as a, as a productive adult and I, and I couldn't do it. So, uh, you know, drugs, alcohol, that, that was my escape. So, um, I was able to, um, you know, figure out a way, follow, you know, I, f- I found some really amazing people who didn't really know me, but were still really willing to help me uh, in my journey and, and give me some tools that I really needed um, to stay clean. And, and I was able to accept what I was taught and I was able to follow that path to recovery. And here I am today, um, honestly, living a life far beyond any of my wildest dreams. Um, and when I say that, I don't mean my, my life isn't anything like on paper. It's not anything too special. I don't drive a Ferrari. I don't, I'm not married to a supermodel or anything like that. Yeah. And those are the things that as a child, I would, I would have <laughs> probably <laughs> said like, this is what I want to do, you know, but, um, I get it. No, I have, I have a decent job. I pay all my own bills. I have my own place, a nice car. Um, and I'm happy and I wake up happy every day and, and uh, that, for a guy like me, is, is far beyond anything 
I would have ever expected to have. Uh, if you would have asked me five years ago where I thought I would be in five years, I probably would have, first of all, it would have taken me a few minutes to try to think <laughs> about it because I, don't, I didn't think more than, you know, a day into the future back then. Um, but if you would have, if you would have told me five years ago that this is where I'd be sitting in, in this facility where I was once a client, um, and in a, in a management position here with, a with my own, my own life and, and not relying on anybody else to, you know, help me. Um, I, I probably wouldn't have believed you, but here I am. And it's just one of the many miracles of recovery. So. Well, Jake, I think, uh, you, you said a lot there. Like, um, I've talked to, I've talked about two years ago. Um, um, on the streets of Baltimore and I'm ripping and running. And as you said, I couldn't see five minutes from now or a day from now, what I was going to do. But I knew at that point I was never going to get sober, you know? And that was, uh, a thing for me. And I was pretty sure that that's how I was going to end my life. Just in the same place. And then I met some people, you know, throughout my journey, I've met some people who I could trust and who could show me the way. And you're one of those people, you know, if I could say a degenerate, like you can get clean why can't I, you know? (laughs) And I think there's a, a lot of mistrust in the process, a lot of mistrust in not knowing where that thing's going to lead. But for me, you know, meeting some people who just generally wanted me to get better and didn't need anything from me. I didn't have anything, but didn't need anything from me other than to try. And I think that's one of the joys of this thing is that you meet so many great people and you learn that, you know, there are people out there who generally just want your best interests and just are like, man, if you can get clean, man, life can be better. Yeah, and isn't that just an amazing thing to find out? Because, you know, the lifestyle that we used to live is, you know, it's it's cutthroat, man. It's like you got to get your own, and and you know, there's nobody that you can trust. And I've I heard you talking about trust on one of your other podcasts, and and how hard it is to kind of learn to trust people. But something for me that was like a big motivator coming into recovery was having people that I didn't know, and that. And like you said, they weren't, there wasn't anything they could gain from, from helping me from what I could see. Uh, but they were still willing to help me, you know? And that was like the, one of the first times in my life that I'd felt truly motivated to like do better because, you know, for a long time, it seemed like everybody that, um, knew me kind of expected me to fail. They knew they had seen my pattern and they had kind of expected that, you know, here's Jake and he's, he's probably not going to do a whole lot. He's probably not going to accomplish this thing that he's setting out to accomplish. He's probably going to end up in jail again pretty soon. Let's not invite him to Thanksgiving dinner. And when he does come there, hide your wallets and hide your purses <laughs> and all that stuff. Were they correct that they, they should hide it though? Were they correct? Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> don't leave a wallet around me. <laughs> I was going to say. Considering, I didn't do this, but I, I was considering taking my, my nephew's Christmas money one year. And it was like, this internal battle that I had 
And he was he was like eight years old, and he was like, Jake, look how much I have. I got a hundred and whatever dollars for Christmas. And I was like, Are you kidding me, kid? Better not leave that. And I was like plotting on how I was going to take it, but luckily I didn't go through that because that would have been a shitty amends to have to make. Oh my god, but, I can't imagine. But yeah, I can't. I would steal anything that like I stole my mom's uh, pain pills when she was dying of cancer. Mm-hmm. I, I did. A, really despicable things you know but that's not that doesn't like characterize me as a person that doesn't mean that that's who i am you know we aren't those versions of ourselves like the worst version of ourselves that's not us you know i can i can remember that finding finding some people that didn't know me and were and were willing to like help me out my first step into recovery this time around four and a half years ago or so was i i was getting out of prison for the umpteenth time with nothing from I, I i own nothing i had a t-shirt a bob barker t-shirt yeah. uh, and if anybody doesn't know bob barker is a brand of, of clothing that you're issued in prison um i and I, that's all i had man a white bob barker t-shirt and a pair of sweatpants and, and these people um reached their hand out to me and allowed me to come live at this recovery house um and told me and i said i don't have any money how am I going to pay you? And they said, don't worry about it, man. Just, just do what you got to do. Um, you know, go to meetings. We'll figure all that out. I got a job. I went to meetings. I, I started to get happy. Um, and even, and to this day, I'm really close with those people. And I ended up working for their recovery house at, at a certain point. And that's the kind of thing that motivated me, you know, all this like expecting Jake to fail. I was okay with that. I was like, yeah, you're probably right. You know? Yeah. Definitely don't leave your wallet around me. Um, but, but when it came to somebody saying, you know what, I think, I think you can, I think you can do this, man. That was the thing that like kind of blew my mind and, and motivated me to, to prove them right. And, you know, that was a game changer for me, man. And, and they didn't have any real thing to gain from it, you know, and you find people like that throughout this world that, that we, that you and I both live in now, the world of being in recovery. Um, and it's a beautiful thing, man, knowing that that exists. Because coming from where we came from, there's not a lot of that. You know, it's amazing. You, you talk about um, meeting people in this this lifestyle we live now. And the the same people, I mean, I might, I didn't know them before, but they're the same people who on the street would cut my throat for five bucks. And Absolutely. I could not figure out, I couldn't figure out, and I spent a lot of time doing this mentally, like, what do these people want from me? What do they want from me? Because they got to want something. You know, I don't yeah, have exactly. shit. I don't have a damn thing. But they got to want something. And it's amazing the things that I know about people and who they, you know, were in their active addiction and who they are now. And the lack of judgment. You know, because... I've done some rough stuff and I'm sure you have too. And, you know, you find people you can trust at my, you know, Clay, um, my, my sponsor when I was down there and I did my, uh, four step with him and I know a lot of stuff about Clay and vice versa, but being able to trust that that information one could be out there. And for anybody who doesn't know what a four step is, um, you, it's a list of people you have harmed and the things that you've done and the things that you need to get off your chest. And 
that for me, obviously, you know, having used for 20 years, it was a very long list. And the amazing thing about that is I, I was very honest and open about it. And I have yet to hear anything, <laughs> any um, thing back from Clay about how awful a person I was, which was a relief. Yeah. No, no police officers have knocked on your door. No, no, it's, it's amazing. And it was a very cathartic experience. But like I said, that man shared some stuff with me, which obviously I cannot share, but he shared some stuff with me to where he had been. And we all have the stories, I think. And, you know, I think it was helpful for him too. It's just one of those things that, there are steps that you take to get better, but the more you take them, the the more open you are to them, the more, the more relief you can get. And you talked about being at peace with yourself. You know, I don't, I don't have, you know, I live in a recovery house and I'm quite happy here and I go to work and I pay my bills, things that I could not get together, paying my bills on time and you know, going to work on time and being a reliable person was not, was not me. You know, I I might pay some bills, but they were always late. And I was always trying to juggle that between, because there's never enough money in active addiction. Um, Absolutely not. There just, just never is enough. I can really relate to that because that's, like I said before, um, I don't have any extravagant lifestyle, but for me, it's like a really big deal to to just pay my bills on time. <laughs> yeah, and like I'm 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 almost 39 years old, and for me to like have my own place, he looks like an average guy who's 39. He probably owns a house, has a family, and all that stuff. But um, for me, I just never felt like that was in the cards for me because I was just so I just was not a, I just didn't feel like I was capable of, of any of that stuff, and I was just so like maladjusted to life as a, as an adult that I, this is, I just felt like there was no way I could ever accomplish like paying bills on time. I used to come up with all kinds of harebrained schemes as to like <laughs> how I could get away with uh, pay, not paying this bill this month and giving this other, you know, the electric bill, I'll give them $25. I'll call the cable company and beg them to keep my service on uh, and all that crap. And like when it came to, to, I couldn't hold a job down. And when I was at, at, you know, holding a job for a short time, I was probably the worst employee that these people have ever seen, you know? Um, and it's just crazy that like today I, I come to work and I'm a valuable employee, you know, I get promotions, I get raises and stuff. And, and people tell me like how, uh, you know, how much of an asset I am to this, to these, this place that I work, which is like, just little stuff like that, that a lot of normal people, I use, you know, I did air quotes. I know you couldn't see them. I can hear them. Normal. <laughs> What's that? I can hear them. Good. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah. So, uh, you know, no normal person would probably think it's a, a super big deal to like never call out of work or to pay your bills on time. But for us, it's a big deal, man. And it just shows like how far we were able to come. And I really feel like, I just really feel, first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of you and to see like how well you're doing, man. And, and I knew from when I first met you that you had the capacity to really absorb a lot of information. We used to do trivia and stuff like that. Yes, we did. Uh, 
and we had great time doing that stuff, man. But uh, I just could tell like the capacity you had to to learn things and to absorb them, and and I really felt like if if your willingness was there, that you could do you know a lot of things. And I'm glad to see that you're on that road right now. Well, Jake, I know I reached a point where, and thank you for that, by the way. That was very kind of you. I don't know. I don't ever see what people seem to see in me, but thank God that I, thank God that other people see some stuff. You know, that's the, that's the other thing that people can see things in you um, that you may not think you're capable of. And I know I did not think I was capable. As you said, I didn't think I was capable of getting five minutes clean or five minutes without plotting on how to get high. I know that that was 24 seven. That's all day long. And when I say it's a it's a lot of work, I don't think people who don't who aren't in active addiction or haven't been in active addiction understand how much work active addiction is. Like it and it's is stressful too, man. Because as soon as you finally get your fix, you're you're plotting on the next one and there uh, there's no being in the moment, resources. is there? There's no being in the moment. It's all either trying to get it or using and then trying to figure out how you're going to either make your supply last. And think, and then you're doing the math in your head. This 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 bit that I just took will last me four hours, four to six hours, and then I'll start feeling like I need more. And by that point, I need X amount of dollars. So I need to, like, commit X number of crimes. <laughs> it's just, it's a lot of math. It's yes. a lot of stress. Uh, I know some really, mathematicians. There's really no just like moment of rest and like just feeling like okay, I can I can rest. You know, that is one of the best uh, analogies I've ever. There is a lot of math, a lot of calculation. You know, people... it's rudimentary math. It's not like anything major, but there's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot, and you spend a lot of time just trying to figure out how you're going to, you know, rob Peter and, and, and pay Paul and figure that. I don't know if that's the Paul right expression. Paul being the name of your drug dealer. Yeah, Paul being, well, probably not. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if drug dealer's name Paul. But. Uh, yeah, maybe yeah, where I'm from. But yeah, probably. But I just, I know, I used to, I used to take a lot of trips uh, back to Baltimore. I used to drive. And I don't recommend this for anybody who's listening. I used to drive uh, really, really sick and then drive really, really high back. And then it's a three-hour drive from Williamsport. But I used to do it every weekend. And I used to try to figure out how much I could spend. And then on the drive back, look at how much I had and see if that could last me to the next week. By the way, the answer is it could never last me to the next week. Yeah, and then you're like, if I, and then you're like, okay, if I have spend this much on the drugs, I can put this many dollars in the gas tank. Oh yeah, just down to the last drop, enough to get you where you got to go and then back. And then you have, you know, just enough for like the cheapest pack of cigarettes that you know is offered anywhere. So yeah, there's some there's some some math involved. But you mentioned driving really sick and then driving really high. Those are basically the only two states. <laughs> that we would exist in yeah yeah my um my baby's mom asked me um one time when she found out you know the extent of my use if i had ever been sick and i chuckled (laughs) i chuckled right because i just chuckled when you said that like i was and i looked at her because she doesn't have uh addiction issues herself so she didn't understand i said 
I said, I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh at you, but sickness is a way of life for an opiate addict. That's that's a state, and you just get used to it. Either you're, you know, sick, going to be sick, or trying to avoid being sick. Those are the only those are the three stages. That's it. Because like I wake up, I'm sick. I use if hopefully I have something to use, or I go and try to go get something to use. And then the rest of my day is spent trying to fight that off. That's it. That's where my whole, you know, somebody explained to me once as an addict, um, and it doesn't matter what you're addicted to, but as an addict, your life is predicated upon getting and using. And even when you're doing other things, you're not really present in those other things. Work family life, everything, you're never present. Half of your mind, at least, is on whatever you're using. And that's, you know, gambling, weed, alcohol, whatever it is, half your mind's on that because that is paramount. And it was like an epiphany for me because I was like, uh... then I thought about it and was like, yeah. Even when I thought I was in the moment, what whatever I was doing, I'm playing with my daughter or you know, hanging out with friends or having Thanksgiving dinner, even if I had gotten lit that day, my whole mindset is where's my stuff and, you know, how much do I have so I can get through whatever I'm doing now? Do I have enough? And if not, how can I get away so I can go get some more or get some money to get some more? Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, addiction is it's an obsessive thing right like any addict has some degree of uh like obsessive personality disorder i feel like and for me that manifests in a lot of different ways in my recovery Mm. it's uh it's all about the drug man and and like you said if it's gambling no matter what you're doing there's a part of your mind that's thinking about the whatever it is that you gamble on with sports betting you're thinking about the next game and what the handicap is and yeah and all that stuff if it's if it's uh cards you're thinking about that uh and, and for me it was drugs and and i spent and you're right i was never present in anything that i was doing it was always in the back of my head most of the time in the front of my head uh and it was all i ever thought about man and like i said it, it manifests in a lot of different ways it's something that a person in recovery needs to really be aware of is that that obsessive part of your personality when that drug or whatever it is that you've been obsessing over for so many years is taken away, you find yourself obsessing over many other things, which is really the way I try to explain to to these guys about why it's important to stay away from relationships in early recovery. And so you get a real good grasp on your recovery and on, on your life and develop new habits and ways of thinking and, and do some step work, get through that fourth step, stuff like that. Because, uh, you know, one thing that, that is super easy to replace the drugs with is, is, uh, you know, sexual preference partners. (laughs) Oh, you know what? That is the best way I've ever heard that described. And I'm we used sorry. To use that term when I worked at this recovery house because we used to tell the girls you can't see guys, and then we would tell the guys you can't hang out with girls. But then the girls, they'll hang out. Like then you might get somebody who's 
not straight and they're hanging out and then you're like okay this this term doesn't work we got to change it so we came up yeah. with sexual preference partners you know some people are you know bisexual homosexual pansexual you don't know who knows nor do but you care throw that term out there nor do no, you it care. doesn't matter but yeah but when we when we would put people on blackout it used to be initially just from the opposite sex but then we find that uh that doesn't always work so people are still like you know, going and having sex with people when they're on blackout from the opposite sex. So, oh yeah, and that's sexual preference partners is the term. That is that is fantastic, and you're right because uh, as addicts, even getting clean, especially early on, uh, we will look for loopholes in whatever you say to us. We okay, you say I can't, you know, sleep with other uh, people from opposite sex, and if I'm so inclined, I'll sleep with people with of my same sex you didn't say i couldn't do that um that's like the whole thing in prison right like that's what that's why yeah stuff goes on there and people and people will do what people will do so it's important clarity is very important especially in early recovery clarity and understanding and not giving you loopholes i think that's one of the reasons why people avoid sponsorship is because not because I, I tell people sponsors aren't your boss. They just talk to you and they try to help guide you. But people don't even want to hear that. People don't even want to hear, you know, hey, maybe it's not the best idea to sleep with that girl you met yesterday while you're trying to still figure out your emotions. Maybe that's not. And then and the girl is like barely a day sober. Yeah, she's barely a day sober. Maybe you guys shouldn't run off and have this passionate love affair because neither one of you can get time sober. And that's not the best thing for you. People don't even want to hear that, you know. And I know I think of uh, one of my brothers uh, from from down there at Colonial House that who I know uh, he'd gotten into a relationship pretty early, and I think you know who I'm talking about. And you know, I never, you know, I can't get a hold of him and stuff. And I I, I hope he's okay. You know, but some of his uh, Facebook posts and things are pretty alarming sometimes. And I think a lot of our MO is to invest in other people when we feel bad about ourselves. Just take ourselves away from our, you know, take, that's very wordy how I'm saying this. But take me out of myself, I'll use you and hope for the best rather than actually work on my stuff. And early yeah, recovery and dangerous those, that way. Like your sexual preference partner with the air quotes. I know you heard those, but um, though that it does a lot of the same things that drugs are going to do for you. You know what I mean? Oh, it yeah. allows you not to look at yourself, and because a lot of people like us, a lot of addicts, especially people who haven't had any time to work on themselves, they a lot of us hate ourselves. I know I hated myself. I couldn't stand to be in the same room as myself. Um, and if you're focused on somebody else, you don't have to look at yourself. And that person is going to give you these these superficial good feelings that that we seek out constantly as addicts. You know, that's one of the reasons so it's why you to obsess yeah. over that. I'm sorry, that's easy. One, that's one of the reasons why jail sucks so much. When you when you first like sort of wake up and realize you're in jail and you're in like a cell by yourself with nothing, mm-hmm. and you are just. I think. I've explained this, like, I've been to jail so many times. But, you you know, you wake up, and you're probably sick. I know I always was. And I've never been to jail where I didn't wake up sick the first thing. 
uh, yeah, the first time you wake up sick, and the jail's not going to do anything for you because the jail is not interested. You know, they some jails have comfort measures, some don't. I remember I I was in like Cumming County, and their comfort measure was you know uh, taking your blood pressure every hour and yeah. a warm cup of Gatorade. And I found it more comfortable for you to leave me alone in my cell than making me get up and go downstairs. And because I didn't want to move and uh, I'd rather be in my cell. So I stopped telling them that I was sick and just, you know, I might've come in for a probation violation for using and they'd be like, are you sick? And I'd be sweating there and, you know, my stomach rumbling and all the other manifestations and be like, no. And I'd go land myself for three days. And I'd give people my... I would my tr- always tell them I was sick because I would just hope that maybe <laughs> the last time I was there, they changed their, their rules or something. <laughs> but they never did. And I would always end up sick laying in there. Like coming wasn't changing that. York is better about that. Um... They do give you some comfort measures, but oh, obviously those things can be abused. So, you know, and I can't say that I didn't do that, but I'm, you know, I'm in a better place than I was. And I think back to relationships, I think that one of the things that, uh, you know, you see as a pitfall and everybody in recovery who's been in recovery, of, you know, longer than a few minutes who have gotten a solid foundation understands why they tell you not to get in them get get in one or if you're in one evaluate it evaluate who that person is and whether or not that's particularly healthy for you because that was my situation you know is that person actually there for you in a way that is conducive to your recovery and because it it's not as much work, but you are a different person when you're not actively using. And a lot of people find, and there's a there's a movie called uh, I Am Bill W. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Yeah. Uh, well, you know I have. I work yeah. Well, yeah, but you know, I, it's an older movie, so I thought they might have made something better at this point. I James understand. Woods is in it, right? <laughs> James Woods is in it. James Woods yeah. is in it. That's true. Great, great movie. At Daystar, we used to, uh, like, when you came in, you had to watch, like, five different videos. And during the day, we weren't allowed to watch TV. Um, Daystar is the halfway house I was in up here. And uh, I've seen I Am Bill W. I don't know how many times. I've seen it yeah, so... Yeah, I've seen it a handful. I mean, I work in a rehab, but I've also uh, attended as a client or patient uh, quite a few rehabs too. So, and the 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 point I was saying was that is that his wife at one point in the movie he says you know this is me sober and his wife is sort of upset, and I think they had to come to some sort of accommodation because yeah and he says well you liked me better when I was drunk and she says how can you say that to me but I think there's a mixture of emotions people get to know that person especially if you're in a relationship as you get clean they know that person. And as much as they might hate the use, they know that person. And then when you get clean, you're a different person. And sometimes it's not fair to the the, the person in your relationship, and they don't want that person. And you have to be able to deal with that emotion because there's a lot. A lot of this is about dealing with emotions and dealing with yourself. And how do you get not another day? I'm the next five minutes clean, and I. It gets a bit easier the the longer 
you're in recovery and the more you build relationships and the more healthy habits that you form, like I don't go through every, you know, every day, every, you know, hour thinking about using. I do think about it, but I have the tools to deal with that, you know, and that's, and I have people that I can lean on and people that I talk to and just the hope that, you know, if I can get another day clean, things are, things are going to be pretty good. Cause I remember what it was like. I, I, I keep that in the forefront of my mind, what it was like to be an active addiction. And I'm sure you, you know, plenty of people who don't forget, but forget, you know? Yeah, I see. I actually see, and I love, uh, I love the, the piece about keeping it in the forefront of mind. That's one of the reasons why I love what I do for a living, because um, like I said, I work in a facility where I had once at one point been a client. I walked through this facility's doors uh, many years ago, coming out of prison uh, for, you know, one of the many times I was released from a prison <laughs> and I see these guys come in every day, man. And, and they're coming out of prison. They're coming out of the, the same prison I was in a lot of the time. And I see the look on their face and I can relate so much to what they're feeling. I can look in their face and I can just feel all those emotions all over again that I felt coming in here. And, and it's such a great reminder for me. And I'm, I'm really, I do feel really lucky to have that reminder every day. Um, of kind of like where I started out, you know, and, I think uh, that's just an amazing thing, but um, yeah, man, you gotta, uh, you gotta, you gotta keep in the forefront of your head. I see a lot of people um, being in recovery for a while. You do see people come in and then you see them, you you know, you you stop seeing them at meetings. Um, I know, excuse me. I know a handful of people personally who have, uh, who had at some point decided that they, after having, accumulated a certain amount of time being clean or sober that they could uh they decided they could successfully drink or at least wanted to try it Mm -hmm. and uh a lot of those those people uh that doesn't work out for them man i know one personally who i'm really close with actually who had decided that he was going to just drink occasionally on weekends and and uh just socially drink and, and be casual about it and uh he within it actually took him a little while within like a year or so he was back to like his rock bottom and and found himself uh back in treatment so i am grateful to um be able to learn from other people's mistakes like that and who knows if uh maybe some people can at some point after having been in recovery for a while decide drink successfully and maybe they can do it um i mean i'm certainly not qualified to say whether they can or they can't but i know that for me i'm not willing to take that risk and try it because i just wouldn't want to lose everything that i've gained you know so it's a, it's a great thing when you can learn from other people's uh experiences you know what uh, you said yourself you know i'm sorry i didn't mean to step on what you're saying what you what you say makes a lot of sense to me because um you know, I've, I, you know, I work with a lot of people who aren't addicts and people are social and you go, Hey, why don't you come to the bar? You know, we're going to the strip club and I go and they go, well, you didn't have a problem with drinking. I mean, I had a problem with drinking, but that wasn't my main thing. 
but I'll, I'll explain to him like this for me, the, the beer bottle or the shot of whiskey leads to the dope man. That's what, how it works for me. I can't judge what other people do. And some people are able to do all sorts of amazing things. There are 7 billion of us on this planet. There's always somebody who's capable of doing, you know, other things. I just know that for me, once I get on the treadmill, that it's over for me. That's just my own experience. I've tried, oh, well, I'll just have a few beers. And I tried all that stuff. And I think when I figured out that I, I need to do something different was when all of my ideas of how to successfully use, and that's use anything, went out the window. Because every time it led me right back to the dope man. Because physic, like personally, I was a bit of a specialist for me. I know a lot of people who do all sorts of things and, you know, put whatever they want in their body. But if I couldn't have my drug of choice, I really didn't want anything. And for me to open that door back up tells, you know, I know that as soon as I would open that door back up before a blink of an eye, I'd be back to what I actually want to do because that's not scratching the itch. And if I need the itch scratch, mm-hmm. I'm going to go get that itch scratch the way I want it to. And I, I remember I was in rehab. I was in actually I was in Daystar with somebody who was talking about. Well, one of the first things he wanted to do when he got out of Daystar was get his uh, his legal card, and how it helps him with his mental health and blah. And I can't judge for other people how things work, and I know there are a lot of medical benefits for weed, but I also know that as an addict. I will seek out anything and any excuse to get outside of myself. And I have to really be careful with that. I saw that young man, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And, you know, we were talking and he was like, yeah, you know, I I got myself together. And, but, you know, I was smoking weed all the time. And before he knew it, he was back at his drug of choice. And he said, I don't, I don't know what the future holds. And I was like, well, get yourself invested in recovery. And also think about, you know, it's not the substance itself. It's our, it's who we are. And unless you do the work in dealing with who you are, it doesn't matter. You end up right back to you where you were. And that's, that's, that's the one thing Colonial House taught me. And I, I know you, Mr. Mike uh, just left there. But as, as interesting a man as Mr. Mike could be, he would hammer home that the work needs to be done. And I hear him a lot in my head. You got to do the work. Otherwise, you will end up right back to where you were. His little sayings, humble yourself or you will be humbled. And all those things run through my brain a lot. They really do. When I think about you know where I've been and what I want to do with my life, I, I remember a lot of just being devastated and being lost and not having any future, or any plan. And then you go to meetings and they say the, the most important person in the meeting is the newcomer. One of the reasons why, and I can understand it, is because they take you right back to where you were because you know those desperate feelings and the feeling of hopelessness. You know, I have hope today. But I know those feelings and that can bring it right back to you. So you working in a rehab. Yeah, I get it. 
because you see people come in and they are at their lowest point. I walked into Colonial House. I didn't have anything. I nothing. I didn't have money. I didn't have any clothes. He's go to Colonial Mart and get stuff from there. And Colonial Mart, by the way, for anybody who's listening, was a closet of donated stuff that people could get if they didn't have anything. Counselor's office, actually. Which which one? Not the closet upstairs and. In thirteen hundred, no, in the basement down there, yeah, that we turned that into an office. What over at nine twenty four? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I said. I had to like convert it to an office, and I was like, "Whoever gets this office, that sucks." Yeah, you must not like this person. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's great, actually, man. You love him. Uh, no, uh, they're not in the uh, well. They're not in the office upstairs or in the in the the we garage. Had to get a, do you want me to give you a rundown on what the state of Colonial House these days? Sure, I'm sure people out there will be very excited about that. <laughs> well, I'll give you a quick one. So uh, we have a, we have a, a third counselor there, and so we have Jody as clinical supervisor, and then we have two counselors. So we had to come up with another office, and we just we put it down there. Oh, okay. So Jody's still out in the in the. Uh, She's out there in the TC. Yeah, out in the TC. Uh, uh, the T. You call it the TC. I spent a lot of good hours with. Center. I spent a lot of good hours in that training center, and a lot of just time, uh, really getting a foundation and getting to know people. I remember we used to do. Um, what are they called when you sit on your hands? The 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 the, uh, the, uh, the pull ups. The pull ups. And I remember getting there and being like, I don't want to do this. And then getting to know each other. The guys, the set I was there with for two and a half months for the most part. You know, um, shout out to Specie if you're listening to this. Uh, and really, you know, once you got to know the guys, really sharing some genuine concerns with each other. Um, and that's one of those things that in recovery, you learn not only to be honest, but to really let people know how much you care and how much you want them just to take a look at certain things and also being able to accept those things. Maybe I am acting differently, but all that person wants is for me not to end up back where I was. And I think that's one of those amazing lessons, but I had a lot of good hours just sitting on that, that couch, getting to know people and watching i think i have yet to finish uh for anybody out there we used to watch movies there you know in the evenings but we get like a half hour and i don't think me and ryan ever finished the third lord of the rings movie like, i don't think we did we'd watch it in like 20 minutes are like six hours long right <laughs> yeah you guys had like the extended cut and we'd go yeah, in there i've never seen any of them uh i'd recommend them um, they're good. They're, you know, they're a bit long and it's, especially if you watch the Hobbit, I don't know if you ever saw the Hobbit cartoon. No, I didn't even know that existed. Oh, it's like 1978. It's terrible, but like it's an hour and a half. And then you watch like the three Hobbit movies, which are three hours long. You're like, yeah, you could have cut a lot of this out of here. A lot of this isn't germane to anything. This is just a bunch of people singing. And New Zealand's beautiful, but other than that, like it's a, it's a bit much. But anyway, back I to topic. Read the Hobbit book when I was in jail one time. Oh yeah, There's so much dead time. I started reading the Lord of the Rings 
I think. No, no, I read a lot of stuff in jail. Um, but there's so much dead time there, and you can either use it constructively or not. That's the thing. You can use it either construct because you can get. I remember I got plugged in in Williamsport by going to jail. Before that, I was just floundering about. But um, you can also find a lot of recovery to keep it on topic. You can find a lot of people trying to change their lives. And I remember my last bid, which was in York County, um, watching people, you know, buy pills from other people and, you know, be zombied out most of the day and making a conscious effort not to go see the doctor or, you know, do any of the, the million different ways to try to sleep away my bid and try to deal with some stuff. Now, I didn't have any idea of how I was going to deal with the stuff, you know, and I didn't get that foundation until I actually went to rehab. And um, I, I did want to ask you this, because I tell people that, you know, 30 days of rehab wasn't enough for me. But I didn't realize that at the time. And I just took a leap of faith and did the three months at Colonial House. But how beneficial do you think that long-term rehab is for people? Because I, I know how beneficial it was for me. But I'm only just me. But you've been in long-term rehab and you work in a long-term rehab. Um, just how that works and how it helps. So... Uh... Colonial House traditionally, for for many many years, was um, was co- was called a long term facility, and what that means is that um, the majority of our clients would stay ninety days. So recently, um, we've had to change our alignment to um, to where there's there's really no set time. It's just on an individual basis. Okay. Um, I was in a meeting today where where someone described it as uh, he said we could have people based on what we feel like the person's needs are. You could have people here that stay for 28 days. You could have people that stay for 120 days. Okay. Um, but in my experience, my experience at Colonia, the client was for the first 30 days or so, I was just faking it. You know, I was just doing the minimum amount to get by without getting kicked out or getting, put on a restriction or whatever. Definitely. I was saying whatever I felt like the staff wanted me to say um, to get through the groups and the activities and all that stuff. Uh, none of it was real, man. And, and no hard, like they really tried to drill this stuff in to my brain, but I, I just wasn't willing or open, open up, open enough to accept it, you know, um, for the yeah. first, I'd say about a month or so I was just taking it. Um, yeah. They, traditional rehabs are about 28 days because they say it takes that many days to break a habit. Um, but I think, uh, I think in long-term treatment, you, what you want to do is you want to um, start to develop new habits, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you want to stabilize. You don't only want to just break the old habits and then go just, you know, toss back out into the world. You want to, you want to um, learn some tools how to not fall back into those those pitfalls that that are out there waiting for you. You know, and um, I just I just think it takes a long time to for for some people to to become willing to accept this new way of life to 
break the habits of your old life and to establish some new ones, you know, some healthy ones. And uh, really, recovery is like an entire overhaul of of your life and your person, your personality, your, your way of thinking. Um, and that takes and that takes some time, man. And, and and I think people should really. It's about being patient. It's about giving your a break, and just just taking it slow, you know. And I think that's why long-term treatment is a, is a really good option. I think continuing treatment after long-term inpatient mm-hmm. uh, at maybe a different level of care, like a halfway house or even a recovery house or, or participating in outpatient services, I think that's a really great idea because all you're doing is giving yourself a better chance at staying clean and recovering, you know, and that's that's what it's all about. You know, I um, I used to think, well, I could get a quick patch up and I'd be fine. And the longer I spent, I became much more open and you get to know people when you form relationships. And it was, it's hard, especially it was hard for me because life, life as an uh, active addict is about immediate gratification, getting your gratification immediately. And then learning to understand that this process is going to take time is difficult because I want what I want when I want it. And I want to be clean and not have to do all this other stuff. Uh, I just, Colonial House really changed my life. And you guys really changed so many things about me, but I remember being there early and not wanting to open up and not wanting to get to know the guys and just trying to figure out. I remember I sat in small group one day and it was a very tense small group um, considering the guys I was in there with and doing the calculation of how many hours and a half I had to spend in that small group. And then at the end of my time there, wishing I had more time with these guys and, you know, my counselor changed at the very end, but wishing I had some more time because there was a big transition happening. <clears throat> I had to come back out into the wider world, and that's full of fear and trepidation. And how did I deal with that? And the only thing I knew was I didn't want to use anymore. So I'm going to continue upon the path that these people have set for me. And obviously, I left the area. Well, I, I'm not too far from York, but, uh, you know, it's not really the same community, even though people come and go up and down from York to Harrisburg. But I knew that there were good people and I could stay in contact with people and that I was able to be a part of this community of people who just wanted me to recover. That's it again. And and I, I'm, I know I'm beating a, a dead horse there, but there are good people in this thing who want you to recover. And I think that's one of those messages of recovery that don't want anything. And people will give you the shirt off their back to try to get you recovery. And also if you do mess up are not going to judge you when you come back, they're just happy to see you. I saw a guy yesterday I was in day star with who had three days and, you know, after the meeting, you know, my home group was last night after the meeting, I was just like, man, I'm just happy to see you, bro. Like it, whatever happened, you know, we discussed it, but man, I'm just happy to see you, you know, let's try to do something different this time. But, you know, it was, 
it's one of those things that make your heart sing when you see somebody who you know may have had a, a pitfall or something, but is is back and still alive. Um, on that note, yesterday was uh, our buddy Billy G's uh, birthday, and um, I think I think about him a lot. And um, I know I know that you knew Billy really well. Mm-hmm. And you know, I just wanted to say something about him because he was one of those people who I miss every day, and I think about a lot. You know, and his loss is was devastating to me when it happened, but is a reminder that, you know, in this life you will lose people and you got to deal with that. And, and it's also a reminder of, uh, how, uh, serious it is, you know, in, in this world of recovery and how serious, uh, these little mistakes that the way we see them as, as kind of small mistakes without having a lot of consequence, but a lot of them have, have really big consequences, man, that, that you just cannot ever change. And, and you can never really comprehend how many people's lives that will be affected by the consequences of your actions. You know, uh, yeah. Bill was an amazing guy, man. I'll tell you what about Bill. That guy was, First of all, a pain in my ass. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Um, a, a real smart ass. Uh, a hilarious guy. Yeah. Um, his his uh, his laugh would would kind of be pretty infectious to the rest of the guys. Um, yeah, man, I miss him too, dude. And and honestly, as we're talking about Bill, I, I'm reminded of a lot of a lot of people I miss um, that we lost this disease and working here for for a number of years man I, I used to tell you guys that uh i used to say look around the room right now uh you know some of you might not be here for very long and and pretty much every group every community of of clients in whatever facility we're in um some of them are gonna are gonna die as a result of of having this disease you know and uh it's just very, it's a serious thing, man. Like this is life or death. Like all these little decisions that we make every day to stay sober. Um, that, you know, if, if we, if we mess up and make a bad decision just one time, it could, it could be the last decision we ever make. And it's really, really sad to think that. And I like to, to think that um, in losing these people, we are, able to learn from that as well, you know, and just be reminded as, as, as to how serious this is. Bill, actually, when he left Colonial House, I lived in a sober house, a sober living house for about, God, like three years, man. Yeah. And Bill came and lived there straight from Colonial House. Yeah. Uh, which was cool. It was really, really cool to see um, the, the growth that he made and, and him coming out. Um, of Colonial House and, and just jumping back into to recovery and and going to meetings and all that stuff. Uh, and it was cool. To, we we would have coffee together in the mornings and and stuff like that. But um, yeah, man, it's a sad thing, and I miss the guy for sure. That's um, I think that is one of those things that 
And I think really we, we've, we've talked about 55 minutes and I think that's where I'm going to leave it because that's what we're talking about. This is life and death and all the other stuff. It's about saving our lives. And that's what recovery is about for me. Um, I'm saving my life every day by getting involved. And that's what this thing is about. And um, I think in the end, you know, there are people dying every day, but there is another alternative. There is another option. And if you're willing to take that leap of faith and say, I'm going to try it, the rewards are manifest. And it's not about money. It's not about things. It's not about women. It's not about all the other external stuff, but I think the inner peace, the, the settling down of myself and being good with myself, all warts and all, um, is really the, the blessing of recovery. Now, um, would you like to say anything before you go give a, a plug to Colonial House, anything like that? Um, I just, I mean, you're absolutely right in, in what you just said, man. It's on paper, choosing a life of recovery should be a really easy choice. I mean, you, you get healthier, you start to, um, accomplish things and gain tangible things in your life. You, you get to wake up happier every day. Uh, and you don't die. You know, I mean, you still might die, but you aren't going to die an alcoholic or, or an addict's death. Um, which are very sad. Be, it, which are very sad and tragic. And, and it should just be an easy an easy option, man. But, but for so many people, it's not. Um, but if you take that leap of faith, uh, I can promise you from experience uh, that it gets so much better. And, and there's nobody that this isn't available to, which... Uh, is a, is a, it's true and it's a beautiful thing, man. And you're an example of that. And I'm really lucky to have just the life that I have today in general and also to have met such amazing people in my journey. You're one of those people. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy you're doing well. I, I can't wait to see all the great things that you continue to do. And I really um, appreciate you allowing me to come on and talk to you for a little while. Thank you so much, Jake. Thank you so much, guys. For uh, That was Jake B., um, an amazing conversation with an amazing man and an inspiration to me in recovery. Um, that's it for today. Uh, if you like the program, please like, share, and subscribe. Um, leave a five-star review. And uh, any comments, you can address them to me on whatever website you listen to Acast or anchor or i have now expanded the cast box if anybody has cast box i'm trying to get on google player and i itunes and all the other uh streaming podcast app um you can also get in contact with me at uh my recovery pod at gmail.com um i will also be setting up a facebook page soon So thank you so much for listening. You have a pleasant day and take care of yourselves. Recovery is possible.